And what a, a blessing it was this morning at the conclusion of the service to see 50 plus dads from new dads to uh, not so new dads. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Amen that came forward, and uh, amen. I just uh, want to add uh, to what my dad said. We appreciate you, uh, your uh, impact. Only eternity will tell. And I want to encourage you, amen, uh, uh, your role is highly valuable. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, speaking about fathers and dads, uh, someone made the observation that at a wedding, no one pays much attention to the father of the bride. And yet he gets to pay all the bills. In many ways, Joseph, the husband of Mary, and the earthly father of Jesus is like that. Much attention is paid to Mary. And in many cases, rightly so. Mary was a very admirable example of a godly young lady, faithful, devoted mother to Jesus, as well as one of his followers. And so, absolutely, uh, we uh, uh, salute Mary in the proper realm. But in comparison to Mary, Joseph seems to get very little airtime, which is a lot like many fathers. I mentioned in passing a, little, uh, a few services ago that we would never take you know, Mother's Day and combine that with another uh, holiday. Uh, we're going to do Moms and Memorial Day, so, you know, M&M, it's a good, good idea. That wouldn't uh, play well with Mama. But yet with Father's Day, yeah, dads and grads, you know, it's, it's, it's Dave, dads, and, they, you know, there's people graduating, so let's just combine it. And there are even extreme elements in our generation that question the need or the validity of the role of the father in the modern home. And so while society... And the media is filled, no doubt, is filled with deadbeat dads. There are way too many scoundrel fathers. The truth is, and we saw 50 plus men up here, there's many more, that there are many good fathers out there. And they are an absolute necessity in the forming of a family, the raising of their kids, and the formation of a healthy society. I want you to think with me, this evening to the household that Jesus was born into. So, we understand Jesus, his miraculous birth. So, he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph did not play a role as the progenitor. Or simply put, he had nothing to do with Mary becoming pregnant. And so yet it's interesting to me that God, in his wisdom, saw fit to use 
this man, Joseph, in a role as Jesus' earthly father and as a partner in raising Jesus from his infancy to his manhood. In other words, if he's not needed to, uh, to, uh, uh, for Mary's uh, pregnancy. God could have just done it with Mary. But God doesn't undermine or question the role of a dad in his son's life on earth. This is God in the flesh. And God the Father said, as I send my son to earth, he's still going to have an earthly father in the mix. And he ordained that. He chose Joseph for the task. And I want you to think about it. Jesus had a dad. And as such, I believe Joseph serves as a godly role model for every father Every future father. And Joseph was a good dad because he was a man of right relationships. I want to preach on Jesus had a dad out of this passage. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly or privately. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he, that is Joseph, called uh, baby's name, Jesus. Jesus had a dad. So, Joseph is a man of right relationships. The first right relationship that he had is with his wife, uh, and in this text, it would technically be his future wife. So, think about this with me, is that Joseph was a man of purity. And this is true before marriage. Verse 25, he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. So very plainly, there was no sexual relationship prior to their marriage. In other words, they were referred to as man and wife because in their culture, the couple would get engaged. The man would go provide for the home, come back and get his wife to be Technically, they were considered a, a married couple, uh, uh, but uh, they did not uh, consummate that to till the, till the wedding night. And so here it is, is that Joseph was a man uh, that believed, I am going to keep my relationship with my wife, with my future wife clean. I'm not introducing sex uh, into the relationship until after we are officially married. Joseph is described in verse 19 as a just man or an upright man. In other words, uh, he had a good testimony and a good reputation, and that extended to his relationship uh, with uh, his future wife. 
obviously things got ironed out, uh, right? Uh, but uh, in our text, uh, uh, he's hearing the news that she's pregnant. You put yourself in his uh, place. Uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. It's not what you think. Uh, it's an angel. But his, I want you to notice his reaction is no doubt his initial decision to call off solemnizing the marriage uh, with Mary was, I've been faithful to you. You haven't been faithful to me. I'm not going down this road. I'm not, and again, obviously God got involved and this is, a once, not just a once in a lifetime, this is a once in an eternity uh, moment. But his point is, is I'm not connecting my life with someone that doesn't share my values, which are purity. And he had a legitimate expectation that you're going to be faithful just as I am. And so I understand that because of sin, there's not always a per perfect track record in this arena. But two things, those who are not yet married, uh, is that you can contend for purity uh, before marriage. Uh, and that's something that you should fight for. That's something that you should personally protect, is that until I get married, I have no business uh, getting involved in sexual uh, expression of any kind. And... The, and you know, once uh, we've entered into that, it's a blessing. Hebrews says the, the marriage bed is undefiled. God's the one who came up with sex. He's not blushing. He's not nervous that I'm going there tonight. But those who are married, you know what? Again, this is the great thing about salvation. God doesn't save perfect people because there are none. So because we are sinners, this enters into this realm of sexual expression. And so here's the thing is, those who are married, regardless of what's happened in the past, you can make a choice to keep your marriage relationship pure and committed from this moment forth. So he was a man of right relationship with his wife before marriage, but also this applies to after marriage as well. In the wedding vows that we take, is there's the, the line, forsaking all others, clinging to her only, as long as you both shall live, or clinging to him only. And so uh, this is supposed to be true physically, emotionally, mentally, Getting pretty quiet in here. And in this day and age, we have to say electronically. I have one girlfriend. It's my wife. That's the only girlfriend I'm allowed. And I'm happy that way. I don't want any other girlfriends. And she's listening very closely to make sure that I'm treading correct. So I have acquaintances, but... Uh, that, are, that are female. But listen, a married man or married woman has no business carrying on a friendship with a woman or a man that they're not married to via text message, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, or whatever the next flavor of the month is. Hello, walls, uh, cry out, amen. I, I, I should be getting encouragement here, amen. You're like, 
So he is pure. Number two, he is perceptive and patient. Perceptive, that word means having or showing sensitive insight to be thoughtful, to be discerning. And so the idea here is this is something that's to be contended for, not something that happens automatically. The idea is wisdom. So again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. God has not yet revealed to him what God is going to do with Mary. No doubt he has hopes, he has dreams, he has expectations. And all of a sudden, verse 18, she's found to be with child. What would you think? What would you do? And yet, I'm amazed at his reaction. He doesn't fly off the handle. Remember, according to Levitical law, he could have her stoned for adultery. And yet, our text says in verse 19, he makes a decision. You know what I'm going to do? I don't get this. Having a hard time. How? But you know what? I'm going to put her away secretly. I don't want to make a public example of her. That's amazing. Again, he's going to get the revelation that what she said was true. But at that point, he, he could have said, you know what? How dare you? He said, you know what? I'm going to be gracious to her. Not because she deserves it, perhaps, but I'm... What this tells us is Joseph was an even-tempered man. He's not vindictive. He's not driven and ruled by anger. And there's a sensitivity to his wife's feelings and reputation. And again, this is, at that point, future wife. But see, this is something still that as a dad, as a father, as a husband, that, you know what, God, help us. This is not something that perhaps comes naturally, but God, you've got to help me to be perceptive. God, to be sensitive. Again, that's not usually the word that's associated with men, which is why we need God's help. And all the men said, amen. And all the wives, you got the Holy Ghost elbow, amen. First Peter 3, 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together, the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. And so dwell with them with understanding. God, you've got to help me uh, to understand, uh, to be perceptive. It also says in verse 20 that he thought about these things. In other words, he wasn't rash or hasty in his decision makings. He's presented with the fact you're pregnant. You're saying it's a, by the Holy Spirit, an angel came to you. Uh, is It's not the first thing that comes is that he's thinking about these things. He's pondering these things. He's giving it time. And because he was able to think through the matter, it gave time for God to speak to him and bring direction. I understand some things you have to just address right away. But you know, most things in life, if you'll think about it, pray on it, give God time to speak, give Time for godly counsel, it saves a whole lot of heartache. He was not only pure, perceptive, patient, he was a provider. We know that from Scripture, Joseph was a carpenter. He wasn't a deadbeat dad, but rather a responsible father that provided the material needs for his household from the fact that he held a job. 
to the payment for the temple offerings, to the fact that he was a taxpayer, thus the journey to Bethlehem. That's why he was going. He was paying his taxes, registering for that, to the stewarding of resources for the family's journey to Egypt. They would have gotten the money and the treasures from the wise men. He was able to steward that as they're in Egypt. And then on the way back, Joseph was a good provider for his wife, his child Jesus, and other children along the way. So let's look then at his second relationship, and that's he had a right relationship with God. So here, something that I've been pondering is, Joseph, like every dad in this place, was deficient. And yet, he was able to be directed. Here's the, the, the just something that's fresh in my mind. Think about Joseph's assignment. What? You're okay, so Mary was telling the truth, but I am tasked with being the earthly father for God in the flesh? I, I don't know about you. I, I think I'm tapping out right about there. Like, I can't do that. Like, it's hard enough being a dad. This is God in the flesh. I am not perfect. He is. Right? He's literally the only person that could ever say, my son is perfect. <laughs> it would be a lie to say anything else. And yet, obviously, Joseph was not. Let me just say, not only for the dads, uh, but the moms, uh, is just, just in case there's any kids there, well, you're not perfect, dad. You're not perfect, mom. Yeah, because we're human. Yeah, well, I, I see. And listen, I'm not talking about gross sin or just. But, and so I just have to wonder, did Joseph ever struggle with his inadequacies? The weight. Like, it's not like he could find his buddy across town and say, can you relate with me? Yeah, I really relate. There's no one that can relate with him there. And I have to feel, based on the text, that no doubt there's part of him that didn't want anything to do with this job. And so the reason I'm making that case is that, again, every one of us, there's times when the devil throws our failures, our shortcomings, our inadequacies, where we've messed up, where we don't measure up right in our face and say, what kind of dad are you? What kind of father are you? This could even apply to moms as well, but we're on Father's Day. But remember, God chooses to work with flawed people because that's the only kind of people there are. And so Joseph, he did. He had his deficiencies. Part of what got me thinking about this is I got a text from one of my good friends who's just a, a solid guy. I mean, you look at this guy, he's serving God a long time. You look at his marriage, it's in order. You look at his kids, they're in order. And he sent me a, a text that he said, uh, these words, sometimes I feel fatherless. And he actually has a good dad. He's, he's 
dad's in ministry. Um, so it's not that he doesn't have a dad, but listen, as in less of a father. And so what he was getting at is that just as he's looking at the scope of raising kids and then even going into grandkids is just, God, I realize I'm inadequate in many ways. And then he ended and he said, but thank God that God fills in my inadequacies. And see, this is the hope, right? Second Corinthians 12, 9, right? Jesus speaking to Paul in another arena, but it applies is that he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or frailties that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And again, not that this is exclusive to men, but I think it's more of an issue with men is that we do not like to admit our weaknesses. There's there's no part of us that wants anything to do with weakness. Men do not go to the gym to look weak. Right? Strength, power, ability, machismo. And so to even come to grips with it, it's hard. And then when it's there and it's real, it's like... But here's the hope is that God is able to fill in. And so what an encouragement is that here is Jesus, the Son of God, literally, uh, right? Uh, God in the flesh, and yet God says, uh, I'm going to put him under uh, a sinful man, a deficient man, one who falls short, yes, but you know what? Also a man, and here's the hope, that can be directed. Verse 24, Joseph did as the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So think about this, not because it was easy. There is nothing easy about this assignment uh, that was handed to Joseph. It wasn't preferable. And Joseph was a smart enough guy to know my life is un, it, it's, it is changed from this moment forward. It wasn't preferable. It wasn't without risk. It wasn't the way he would have chosen to have things play out. But listen, he chose to be a husband to Mary and the earthly father to Jesus Christ because that's what God commanded him to do. So listen to me. I realize that this goes counter to our society and our personal comfort zone. But let me ask the question, can God command you to do his will and you obey? Well, I don't like it. Well, God didn't ask you. And I understand this can get... But listen, God has the right to command us to do certain things. Will we be like Joseph and obey? Then, so the point is, God is not looking for perfect dads or perfect parents. But he is on the lookout for dedicated dads. And ones that can be directed. And so he also had discernment and understood the dangerous elements that are around. We looked at the fact that he's even-tempered, able to think through his actions. And the impact that his actions would have on others. I believe this sprung from a relationship with God. And there were moments that are going to have impact on his Wife and child, verse 24, again, God speaks to Joseph through an angel, and Joseph listens. Again, he's able to discern, this is God. 
I'm going to do as God commands me. And in every family, toward every child, listen, there are going to be things that target your kids for destruction. And Joseph was able to hear from God about things that wanted to destroy his boy and move in God's timing to protect and preserve his child. Matthew 2, 13, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so again, dad, future dad, is God able to speak to you about the things that are targeting your child your children for destruction. Because let me assure you, I, with no delight, that the spirit of Herod is alive and well and seeking your child out for destruction. And this takes on many different faces. This could be entertainment. This could be friends. This could be ungodly teachers. And again, thank God for... You know, the East Vegas church that I pastor, I had six teachers in a you know, much smaller church. Six te- and these are good men and, and women. And there are many out there that, but I'm telling you, the system at large is whacked. The magnetic pull of the opposite sex combined with hormones in overdrive. The reality that, you know, I guess if you only have one kid, this doesn't apply, but if you have, multiples there's no cookie cutter kids I got twins folks and they are two completely different personalities and I'm telling you if parenting doesn't drive you to your knees for prayer I don't know what will God you gotta help me Make me know what makes them tick, what makes them ticked off, why they do things that tick me off. But again, that God, you've got to give me insight. And he was able to furnish direction as his child is in grave danger. Joseph is able to get direction from God and to steer his family through the minefield of demonic attacks and opposition. Matthew 2.13, I read, talks about the flight to Egypt. Later, there's a return from Egypt. And in there as well is the specific place where God wanted them once they got back to Israel. It's interesting to note that although Mary knew about the pregnancy first, uh, due to a divine appearance of the angel, Gabriel, after that, God brought uh, all direction and revelation through Joseph. There's a principle of headship and covering uh, and authority that's programmed uh, into God's pattern uh, for creation. And again, a flawed man, a sinful man, but a good man and a man that could be directed by God, which meant he could also bring direction to his wife and to his children. So he had a right relationship with Mary, his wife. He had a right relationship with God. Third is he had a right relationship with his child. So think about this. From conception, he speaks words into his child's life. This is the realm of expression. Verse 21, you shall call his name 
Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this is more than just a naming or a christening ceremony. There's some powerful dynamics here. Number one is he spoke over his child a name, not a name that he came up with, but a name that God had for his child. And I get it, there's only one Messiah, but can I tell you, every kid that you have, that is a stewardship. God puts in our hands and God has things ordained for those kids. God has a name and again, beyond the name of their birth certificate, but a calling and a purpose and a destiny. And our job is not to say, no, 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 God, I don't care what you have. I want what I, no, is to say what God says about them. There's plans and purposes that God has for each of our kids You know, this name is connected with identity. In other words, the name Jesus was who he was going to be. He is going to be a savior. The Lord saves. That's what Jesus means. And this gave Jesus an identity. It's interesting to watch Jesus' life, uh, that there was a confidence and that there was an identity. He knew who he was. Uh, John says he knew where he was going. He knew what his mission was. And listen to me, this is true for all, uh, for both parents, but there's something specific if you study it in the Word of God about a father. Again, you may not like this. Take it up with God. God's the one who came up with it. About as a father, the ability to speak words of destiny and identity into your children and to pronounce blessing and destiny over them, again, according to the will and purpose of God. Even if they're out, God, I loose the blessing of God. God, I'm speaking your favor. I'm asking you, God, bless. God, I loose the blessings of a godly and a righteous inheritance. I probably knew somewhere, but my dad mentioned this morning, my grandmother was abandoned as a, as a girl. And I'm just thinking, we, we had the family around the, the, the table today, all five of the kids. And I said, man, think about this, guys. How awesome is God? This is, would have been our heritage, broken families, but my grandfather, even as an unsaved man, was able to stay with his wife, raising nine kids. That's no small task. An adopted kid for a while. Then my father gets saved and, and breaks even more curses. And so here we are today and said, around the table and it's not uh, you know where's dad and all the different dynamics but there is a lineage I you know I'm thinking about brother Kim uh, in the Sunday school talking about a dad and was it five stepdads four stepdads uh, but yet here it is is that he had an encounter with Jesus Christ Uh, God touched him and here uh, he's got a son in Baltimore amen changing the narrative I think about these young men in South Africa young ladies in South Africa uh, very few of them had the fathers even knew who their fathers were and yet now down the line 10 years 20 years I see pictures from time to time hey look uh, there's the dad there's the mom completely uh, changing the narrative of that area and I'm telling you something uh, is there's power to speak uh, uh, destiny, identity into your children. There's a personal example of relationship with God. Joseph was personally involved in the worship of God and the raising of Jesus in the house of God. This wasn't something that he 
pushed off on Mary. Hey, you take the kids. I'm going to stay home and catch the game. Luke 2, 41. His parents went to Jerusalem. This is Jesus' parents. His parents, plural, went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. In other words, this wasn't just a every so often thing that every year, this is what we do. Why do we have to go up to Jerusalem again? It's long, it's uncomfortable. Because that's what we do in our family. It's not on again, off again. Is that Joseph modeled what it meant to have a healthy relationship with God. The story told of a snowy night, mom and dad uh, have a fight. The dad slunk out the front door with a slam. Hours later, mom says to the boy, go fetch your father. As the story goes, this little boy makes his way to the local bar where dad is drinking an umpteenth beer. The dad sees his son and he says, how did you know I was here? The young boy responds, easy dad, I just followed your tracks in the snow. See, our footsteps are leading somewhere. Where are your footsteps leading your kids? I can tell you, amen, that I am saved. I'm in the ministry tonight. There are personal decisions, yes, but there was godly footsteps uh, that I was able to follow. Amen. That I said, you know what? My dad is the same at home as he is behind the pulpit. He is consistent in private as he is in public. And that is a very clear and distinct path. There was the training and educating of his child. You know, think about it. What was Joseph's trade? What was Jesus' trade before he began his public ministry? Matthew 13, 55, is this not, talking about Jesus, the carpenter's son? And then Mark 6, 3, talking about Jesus now, is this not the carpenter? So, is this not the car carpenter's son? Oh, we know his dad, his dad Joseph, he's a, he's a carpenter. Then later, hey... Jesus the carpenter. Are you, are you making the connection? So who do you think trained him up to be a carpenter? Speculation, but I think it's reasonable speculation. None other than dear old dad, a.k.a. the man that's forgotten many times, Joseph. Remember, Jesus was morally pure and morally perfect. I don't know that that means he made perfect cabinets or whatever they were carpentering. So, just as with any trade, carpentry involves a process of training. There's trial and error. I have no doubt there were some bent nails. and I don't, I don't think that Jesus commanded the hammer and nails into place. Right? John chapter 2, that was the beginning of miracles. I speak a rocking chair into existence. So Jesus learned how to be a carpenter from his dad. So that's a powerful picture of the process of training and raising a child. There's a lot of trial and error. I wish I could stand up here and say, yep, got it right from the get-go. Every decision we've ever, you know... 
I'd be lying through my teeth. There's patience. There's times when you've lost your patience. There's a hands-on process. It's not an overnight formula. It's a training process. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Right? There's times of encouragement. And there's times of different encouragement. This is also known as rebuke. Jesus, that's not the way. You build a chair. Maybe that wrecks your perfectly... All right, as, as a parent, it's like, hey, there's times you've you got to have encouragement. There better be encouragement. But I've, I've had some encouragement of the different kind with my dad. Or maybe put the opposite, he's had it with me. But Hebrew says is that a father who loves his children, chastens them, disciplines them. There's a partnership that dads you have to have with mom to back her up at times. Be the strong man There's of the house. There is something different. And again, I don't care if all the social you know, engineers want to say there's something different about dad's voice in the house. Wait till your dad gets home. And again, it, it's so bizarre that we're even, that we're in a, a, an, an age that would even dispute the obvious fact. I mean, it's like, it's obvious God made men and women. There's a difference. It's as obvious as the nose on your face. There's no difference. It doesn't matter if there's two dads or two moms or you know what, or maybe dad decides to be a mom. And No. But discipline needs to come from a disciplined man. Not flying off the handle, being vexed, but there's a measured response to the need at hand. Ephesians 6, 4, you fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, there's also, as I bring this down to a close, a time of reorientation. You know, wouldn't it be nice in life and in parenting, being a dad, if it was just where you could control everything. But life happens, and life gets busy. Even in the things of God, remember, Joseph and Mary lose track of Jesus while they're going to do godly things in Jerusalem. And it's possible to lose your kids in any Part of that spectrum time doesn't permit but it could be in a time of transition i remember we're getting ready to come back from south africa to uh to federal way and we are just this was a whirlwind decision sunday afternoon we are cashed out and then the doorbell rings and someone is livid do you realize one of your kids is in the street no we didn't busy times right Change, teenage years, ministry adjustments, moves, moves they're not excited about. You have to be able to locate and reorient them. Luke 2, 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. So again, as I bring this down, uh, 
just want to leave you with this. If God the Father saw the need to have an earthly father involved in the training and raising of his son during his earthly sojourn, how much more ought we to support and contend for this valid role in the lives of our family and society? To the men, may you rise to the challenge, embrace the calling of being a father in words, deeds, lifestyle for the young men. Amen. I'm not saying by Wednesday, but... Listen, don't be a Peter Pan. Get married. Have children. Raise a family. Well, well you know, it's, no, it, it's part of the process. It's, it's needful. It's necessary. Young single men are a danger to society. Amen. Oh, yeah. Well, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. To the women, may you support this crucial component as well and not give in to the recent, relatively recent temptation to tear down and disrespect this critical part of the family. Listen, if God himself weighed in and said a father's necessary, there's not one of us that can trump that and say, you know, well, we know better. And so Joseph's life, listen to me, because this is critical. Joseph's life revolved around Jesus. That's good advice for any father, any mother, any person. Let's bow our heads all over this place.